Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski, and I interview bike tourists from around the world to bring you stories of their adventures and experiences. These are people who get out there and leave the comfort zone of the typical 9 to 5 to embark on ambitious adventures and take on challenges that most people can only dream about. If you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with other bike tours you know, or anyone else you think may be interested. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at info at biketouradventures.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bike Tour Adventures. In episode 25 of Bike Tour Adventures, I have the opportunity to talk with Thibaut and Lea, a French and Vietnamese couple that are trying to do something good for the world by raising money for the NGO Poussière de Vie, which translates to Dust of Life. They raise money to enable young kids from poor families to go to school. The name of the project they have created for themselves is called the Non La Project, and they are now around 11,000 kilometers into their honeymoon bike tour. I'm very thankful to have them with us today, and congratulations on the wedding. Thibaut, Lea, uh, welcome to Bike Tour Adventures. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you to welcome us. So what, why don't you guys tell us first um, about yourselves, your background? Yeah, so me, I'm Thibaut, I'm French, I'm 30 years old, uh, I was born and raised in, in France, and um, actually I did one year exchange, uh, I was a one year exchange student in Taiwan, uh, when I was doing a business call mm-hmm. uh, in France, and this is where I started to really enjoy Southeast Asia, and uh, after I graduated, I really, I was really looking forward to find a job in Southeast Asia and I found one in Vietnam uh, for a French company and this is where I met uh, Lea in, uh, in Vietnam and um, yeah since I was a child I've always uh, liked to go everywhere by bicycle uh, with my family or during summer holidays in France with all my cousins mm-hmm. and um, yeah I especially did a long bicycle tour with my brothers with my brother six years ago and uh, at that time uh, I knew I wanted to do something bigger and uh, hopefully I met someone like uh, Lea to to go with me yeah Yeah. and Lea tell us about yourself yeah hello Uh, I am Lea I'm a Vietnamese and I'm 26 years old Um, I grew up in uh, in the south of Vietnam and I study in Saigon Ho Chi Minh City and after my study at that time, I thought that my life would be just normal, no adventure, just quiet life. <laughs> <laughs> and then after I met people and everything changed. For the best. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
And how did you guys meet? Yeah, we had a uh, we had a friend in uh, in common, uh, like one of my colleague, and uh, uh, yeah, Viet- he was he's Vietnamese, and uh, yeah, Vietnamese uh, when they know their friend are single, they will try to match them together mm-hmm. quite a lot. So yeah, yeah just show me some pictures of Lea, and uh, after yeah, we started to chat, yeah. and we finally met in a very nice coffee place in in Saigon. How did you get involved with uh, Poussière de Vie and how did it come to play such a, a big role in your lives? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, when I arrived in, uh, in Saigon, uh, I met uh, a friend, a female friend, and she was um, a volunteer teacher for this NGO, Poussière okay. de Vie. And uh, she was um, creating like a small theater play with the kids. And she asked me one day to come to take some pictures because I really like to take, to take pictures. And uh, after I could discover uh, the teacher, the environment for the kids, mm-hmm. and all these kids which were really uh, looking uh, yeah, very um, full of life and enjoying their time at school. And uh, yeah, at that time, uh, I, I tried to, to involve more with the, the NGO and we came up with Lea with the idea yeah. that we could uh, kind of sponsor a family mm-hmm. uh, of three sisters and the idea was to visit them uh, every like one time or twice a month to see if the situation for the family was okay, if they need any help. And also, we were giving to the three sisters some uh, English classes. Okay. We gave her with Leah, and if she and if they had uh, good grades, and if they they went to school uh, like every day, we would give them a small uh, amount per month uh, dedicated to their studies, mm-hmm. uh, to buy some books, or to pay some fee uh, if needed. Okay, I think that's uh, it's really honorable because I I know I lived in Southeast Asia and you know I, I mean I cycled a lot and I got involved with cycling communities but I never really got involved with the volunteer aspect and I think there's a lot that can be done and I think many people don't but it's really good that there are some people out there like you that are, that do it. No, no, and actually it's not anywhere. Uh, we think uh, like also for our experiences anywhere. Uh, where you live uh, in your in your neighbor uh, in, in any city, actually in develop or in developing countries, there are always uh, opportunities to help some people around. So, so Leia, you said you never imagined you would be cycling nearly halfway around the world. How much practice did you have before the tour? Um, before, uh, I mean, uh, I have never thought that I can uh, I will travel by bicycle uh, through the world. Uh, one day like this, so it's it's a bit uh, really big thing for me, and uh, we spend uh, maybe six months uh, to train first in Saigon, and we woke up very early in the morning, morning around uh, 5 a.m. to mm-hmm. cycle until uh, 8 a.m. and then uh, when we uh, fly to France, and we spend six weeks to train more uh, before our trip. Okay. Before starting the tour, did you did you have doubts that you would couldn't do it or that kind of thing? Uh, yes, because before I I really I didn't know much about uh, cycling like this, so um, I spent a lot of time to read and okay. uh, 
yeah, I read about information, experience from other cyclists, and then I don't know. I it's more it's uh, more interesting for me than I fear about this. Yeah, good. And um, this this also applies to you, Leah, more than Thibaut, because I'm sure his family was pretty easy for it. But how did your family? What was their thought when you said we're gonna cycle from France to Vietnam? My family, uh, they are a bit like traditional, and for them, yeah. any every uh, hour of the house uh, is uh, dangerous. So um, for me, it's, I need I spend a lot of time to explain uh, to them. But from the beginning, we just make it easy. We say, okay, first we spend one year to travel. Uh, and then um, yeah, we say we didn't we say one year to travel, but we didn't mention bicycle. Ah, okay, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, we we say that we uh, uh, we will cycle uh, around Europe, not first. around Europe. Yeah, but yeah. first in Europe, and hopefully my family they heard Europe uh, itself. So. Um, and then at the end, we just learn step by step, and then uh, we say that we cycle from France to Vietnam. It's a bit uh, scary for them, but uh, at the end, uh, they, uh, my family, they, they didn't stop us to go for it. So, uh, lucky me, yeah. That's great. Uh, what is the Non La project, and where does this name come from? Yeah, uh, Non La in Vietnamese is the um, traditional uh, conical hat. Mm -hmm. That uh, one can see everywhere in Vietnam, uh, especially in the in the countryside. And um, yeah, we wanted something a bit specific as our final destination is is Vietnam. Uh, and for us, the best symbol is uh, the the Nam La Hat. Um, this is well, the first reason. The second reason is just uh, like is a very uh, what we can call an icebreaker mm -hmm. uh, with people on the road, uh, especially in Europe, in in the Middle East, or in India. Many people they, they will come to us because of the Nonla hat and they want to try it on. So it's uh, very good to meet people on the road. And the uh, third reason is like, uh, yeah, it's, for us Nonla is it represents all the values of the, um, the Vietnamese farmers like uh, hardworking, uh, endurance, and uh, yeah, solidarity with others if you want to 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 be successful. Okay, excellent. Um, let's talk about your bikes. What kind of bikes are you guys using on this tour? My bike is a, a, a 1997 uh, Giant, yeah, uh, and it's a steel frame. Yes. And um, but we set up a new gear for on it. And on my bike, I have a special um, handlebar, mm -hmm. which uh, we have additional in front for me to on it uh, like a Holland bike. Like is um, make it less stress for my back when I cycle oh, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit uh, yeah, tailor-made uh, handlebar, and uh, my bike is a Patria Terra. It's uh, from 2014. It's uh, Patria is a German brand for okay. long distance. They don't produce much bikes, but they are quite well known for uh, long distance bikes. Yeah, it was a second. Uh, it's a second-hand bike. Okay, and uh, how much did it cost you in the end to to build up your bikes and get them get them all ready to go? Uh, for Leah's bike, he was around uh, seven hundred seven hundred fifty dollars, mm -hmm. and for mine, he was something around one thousand one thousand one hundred dollars. Okay, good. 
What kind of packing system are you using? Or like, what's your setup? Are you you're using panniers and? Yeah, yeah, we are uh, we are pretty um, classic in yeah. terms of. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we use just we just send out like uh, Ortly panniers um, in front and uh, behind, and on the top uh, of the back panniers we just have a rack pack. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, we are quite traditional in terms of uh, yeah package. That's perfect. And um, I saw your initial picture at the start of the tour, and it looks like you had a lot of stuff. How has that changed since the beginning? Actually, not so much. Uh, we we just uh, we yeah we most of the stuff that is on the picture we we still have it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably the more the winter clothes, uh, especially the we had win uh, shoes mm -hmm. made for winter that we let uh, behind us. But um, otherwise, no, we, we were quite good in terms of uh, planning the right uh, gears and yeah. stuff for the, for the trip. Okay. I mean that we spend a lot of time to decide to, uh, to choose some... Uh, select. Some, yeah, the, to select this all. Okay, because yeah, a lot, quite often bike tours end up packing too much stuff and then... Uh, and then yeah. having a yeah. lot, way too much stuff and then they have to send some back and this and that, so from my experience before and also yeah, spending time on blogs and stuff we knew like yeah you shouldn't start with too much yeah and so yeah so the week before the the official departure we we could uh, spend yeah many days on the road so we could see in the end what could be useful or not for, mm. for the trip okay and how much weight um are you carrying on with the bike and stuff uh, for me, uh, my bike itself is around 16 kilo, kilograms, and uh, my packaging is around 26 kilograms, not including water and food. Yeah. And my bike, uh, my bicycle by itself is about 15 uh, kilograms, mm -hmm. and others uh, in ban my bannier is 20 kilograms. So in total, is uh, 35 kilograms. Yeah. Not bad. For me, it's not. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I, I've talked to people carrying like 70 kilos. <laughs> yeah. And you guys yeah. are using Ort Leaves. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, what are the three favorite things you have in your bags? Uh, for me, uh, really, I mean, one of the best thing we have, uh, have is like the Merino, Merino shirt. For me, I mean, I didn't use Merino wool mm -hmm. uh, before. And uh, really, for this trip, in uh, well, I mean, whether I use it uh, during uh, winter, summer, uh, like yeah, I love to. I can wear it several days in a row, so without smelling bad. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. And uh, is is it a long sleeve shirt? Yeah, I mean, I have to have a long sleeve uh, shirt, a gray one, and actually, in terms of color, uh, gray in in the long distance is. Very good because, especially with the sun, it, it won't the color won't vanish. Compare, for example, to black. Oh yeah. Yeah, I recommend the gray long sleeve. Uh, otherwise, the real of the cooking stove we have the MSR Dragonfly. Mm -hmm. We can use it basically with any any kind of uh, gas, liquid gas, and uh, it has been working perfectly since the beginning of the trip. 
uh, yeah, in terms of cooking or just sometimes when you we want to warm warm up some water if we want to take a, a shower in the in the cold weather. So it's been really a very good tool. And uh, the third tool is the Crank Rovers uh, multi repair tool. And uh, yeah, it has for me all the necessary tools if I need to do some quick fixing on the bicycle or to, if I need to remove the the chain. Yeah. So this is um. This is an essential tool for me. How about you, Leia? And for me, uh, I like um, my cocoon in your sleeping bag, really thin. Oh, like sleeping bag liner, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah liner. liner. Ah. And that one is really useful because uh, we, we put it inside our sleeping bag and it makes my sleeping bag uh, clean. And also in the summer, uh, it's really good to to sleep in with it because it's quite cool. And uh, and if uh, when we want to stay in the hotel and uh, the the bed maybe is, is not clean enough, and we yeah. use our cocoon and it's perfect. Yeah, we use it yeah. a lot in India. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. What else? Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing is uh, the laundry sink. Yeah. yeah. We use it to wash this, wash clothes, and to check for the. Well, yeah, if you have a puncture. Yeah, and uh, we use them a lot, a lot. So I, I like it. That's like the uh, the the uh, the Sea to Summit foldable wash sink type thing. Yeah, yeah the laundry yeah. Sea yeah, to yeah. Summit. Uh, yeah, good piece and really small and convenient to carry. It's very small. And uh, the third thing, my favorite one is the mini hand fan. It's fun, yeah. I think that I'm the only one, uh, <laughs> only cyclist who has uh, this one. But it's really work for me because sometimes it's so warm and I put uh, my mini hand fan uh, on my uh, handlebar. And when I go up here under the strong sun, and then it's helped me. It just saved my life. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> That's an awesome, awesome piece. Yeah, I would, have, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> also, yeah. also when you, yeah, when sometimes after a long day and we, you set up the tent and it's still a bit warm. Yeah, it's very nice to you put on the fan and yeah, like this you can cool down. So yeah, and my fan is very yeah. <laughs> Why did you decide to cycle from France to Vietnam and not the other way around? Um, yeah, we, I mean, we took this decision for a few, I hope, uh, good reasons. Um, the first one is like in terms of season, um, we wanted to start in, in Europe uh, during spring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was around April, May. And uh, this is the worst uh, season to cycle in Southeast Asia because it's very warm yeah. and uh, basically with no rain, so it's, it's very tough. And um, also, as I mean, I didn't uh, wanted also for Lea to start the bicycle trip uh, uh, not easy, but the, the, in the best conditions. And in Europe, it's yeah more suitable with better roads, uh, better conditions mm -hmm. for her. I didn't, want, I didn't want her to start uh, uh, in muddy tracks in Vietnam uh, with mosquitoes and, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a good I, I wanted to go, her to go all the way, so it was important. Yeah. But I think we did a really uh, good decision to start from home. Yeah, and, and also it, it, was also, it was much easier to um, gather and to buy all the material in France compared to Vietnam. Mm. It would have been much difficult and much more expensive 
to get all the material in in, uh, in Vietnam. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Did you start in Paris or somewhere else? Uh, no, no. We started in my hometown uh, in Vendée. It's in the west uh, of France. Okay. Yes. Yeah, close to the Atlantic uh, Ocean. Okay. I don't know it, but um, I could find it on a map, I guess. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> what was, um, sorry, how was cycling in Europe? Did you have a favorite part? Yes, I mean, it was, it was the very beginning uh, of, of the journey. So, yeah, now what is interesting is we can compare uh, our experiences mm -hmm. so far with what we, what we cycle in Europe. And actually, we had a, a very, uh, very interesting time in Europe. Uh, especially, uh, we have very good memories in France, in Switzerland, uh, Germany, Serbia, and even in, in Bulgaria. Especially, like the warm shower community in Europe is quite uh, active. Yeah. So, yeah, we met many very nice, welcoming people. Mm. And, yeah, as I said, in Europe, you have a lot of uh, secondary roads in very good conditions, or um, you have velo, velo routes. Uh, if you want to, yeah. to follow them. And yeah, it, it made the experience uh, quite uh, good and relaxed uh, mm -hmm. for the both of us to, to start the, the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can wild camp quite easily. Mm -hmm. And you go through, yeah, we go, went through the mountains, the beautiful forests. So yeah, it was pretty relaxed in, at that time. Leia, how did you find that first one or two weeks? Did you find it hard on your body and just to be cycling every day or what was the feeling? Yeah, mm, for the first days on, on the road, I think that this, this were quite really stuff for me. It's tiring <laughs> because my body needs time to adapt and that time my back hurt. <laughs> but I spent a lot of uh, like um, effort to, to get used for the first days and after that, Hopefully that my body adapted, but uh, because uh, we uh, we contact some people on the road, and also we spend a lot of energy to spend time to talk with people during uh, dinner and yeah. uh, evening. I mean that we spend whole day, spend a lot of energy. But for me, it's it's a different way to discover um, new things and uh, discover a new way of traveling, and I'm really happy for that. Can you tell the story of the bike tune-up in Switzerland? I feel like it really portrays the spirit of cycling. Yeah, like uh, we, yeah, when we cycle in, in Switzerland, in uh, Geneva, um, the gears of, of Lea on a bicycle had a, a small issue, uh, so we had to go to a bicycle shop. And uh, yeah, in, in Switzerland, and especially in Geneva, everything is really, really, really expensive. <laughs> like uh, I don't know, I remember like uh, hot chocolate would be eight to ten dollars. Wow. <laughs> an idea, and um, yeah, even euros. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we went to this bicycle shop, and there was a guy called Fred, and yeah, very nice, a very nice team. And he say, okay, I will uh, let me check your bikes and everything and I didn't ask about the price because maybe I was super scared <laughs> of what he could say and um, so after he asked some more about our project uh, so I give him I gave him the website and um, yeah he said I will call you in, in one or two days so the, the following day he called me and he said oh yeah with the team I really, really love uh, what 
what you are doing. So we we had like maintain and take your bicycle for free. That was a very nice surprise. <laughs> and after after when I came back to the shop, I discovered that Fred he was um, yeah he used to be a professional uh, cyclist and he actually participated to the Tour de France wow. uh, as a cyclist. Mm-hmm. So we get it was amazing that we our bicycle get uh, fixed and uh, checked by a, a guy who did the Tour de France <laughs> and and for free. So yeah, it was yeah really this kind of uh, positive things uh, that that I, I actually love um, when I we travel by bicycle is like you have this um, generosity positive thing happening basically on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. Yeah, it's like the best of humanity. Yeah, yeah always, always. That's that's one of the main uh, reason we are cycling is for for this. Uh, yeah, you can see the best of humanity uh, almost mm. yeah every day on on your trip. That's amazing, um, Leia. What was it like your first time experiencing snow? I mean, um, everybody knows what it looks like, but until you actually see it. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't expect at all that I could see snow, especially in May, in spring. And uh, uh, we were in the mountain in North of Lausanne, yeah, in Switzerland. And uh, we cycling, and I mean that we, we saw snow, uh, and the landscape like came to white. And uh, snow at that time is really beautiful for me. It's like from a fairy tale. <laughs> And I was so happy and excited, and I at that time it cold, but I I didn't care. Like okay, so beautiful. I just uh, pay attention to snow, and I will ne- never never forget it. I mean, you never forget. Amazing. Did you guys have enough clothing still for riding in the snow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had enough. Just for me, my uh, my gloves were not uh, thick <laughs> enough. Yeah. So I just had to put some uh, additional uh, socks on it. So it yeah. was not very uh, mm-hmm. and, glamorous. And we also <laughs> have like you know, head neck because uh, our head uh, is a bit cold. We don't have uh, any other. Um, yes, we need to. Our hats. Yeah, uh, our yeah. So just your helmet, right? Do you guys wear helmets? Yeah, yeah. We. Yes. Wear yeah, yeah. We just sometimes you don't see our helmets on the picture. We just for the picture. <laughs> or, uh, okay. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or sometimes, yeah, when there is a big climb and there is not uh, too much risk not to have a helmet, we will remove the helmet. Yeah, I didn't see any yeah. pictures with helmets until you guys were in Iran, so that's why I was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, helmet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was your favorite part of cycling in Europe? We, I mean, we really enjoy to cycle in France. Uh, like for the people, the, the landscapes, the landscape and really you have so many uh, secondary roads uh, with no cars, very quiet. That's that's the one of the the reason we really enjoy cycling in France. And also, it's very diverse. You can cycle um, twenty kilometers, and it will be completely different in terms of landscapes. Mm-hmm. Also, we really enjoy to cycle in Slovakia for the nature, the the, the forests and, and the mountains it was beautiful to camp mm. anywhere and to just to wash ourselves in the in the in the rivers and uh, I would say as well maybe Serbia especially for the people yeah Serbian people are are very welcoming and 
Yeah, we especially remember our very first night in, in Serbia. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we didn't know where to, to camp. So we just knocked uh, at, the, at the church. And uh, there were like two women uh, who welcomed us. And they started to cook uh, immediately uh, like a big dinner <laughs> at 5 p.m. And just for us, so they started to cook the full dinner. We start a uh, main dish, dessert. But they couldn't speak English, but yeah. they still can uh, communicate on cuisine. Yeah, and after yeah, the um, the guy who was in charge of the the church, he, he arrived by bicycle with ice cream. <laughs> and after the all the village came to see us. And, and actually, oh, wow. in this village, it, it's a special community called the Ruzin or Ruski. It's a special it's a minority. Uh, which is living in um, Russia, Serbia, and uh, they, it happened that on this very special day, it was their annual festival. Mm -hmm. So they welcomed us to come to their festival with dances, uh, singing. <laughs> yeah. So it was like crazy uh, day, uh, full of yeah happiness and hospitality from them. So they were a minority Russian group in Serbia. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's like their name is Ruski or Rudin. Uh, so it's uh, okay. they have their own language and they basically come from Ukraine and Russia. Okay, and they don't speak Russian though or Ukrainian? It's a different language? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a different language from, from Warsaw. Yeah. Interesting. They have their own language. What are some of the disadvantages of writing in Europe? Disadvantage, but one compared to other countries, for sure it's quite uh, expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, Delhi budget can can go quite high, especially yeah for food or uh, anytime if you want to. It happens you want to treat yourself with like uh, restaurants. It will be super expensive. Uh, like oh, if you had to go to hotel one night, uh, like it's very expensive. So for sure, yeah, in in Europe you heavily rely on warm showers or while camping yeah. in order to. Have less, uh, I mean, to spend less money. Yeah. Uh, as well, I would say, especially in Western Europe, in like France, Switzerland, Germany, people they are more used to see some cyclists or long-distance cyclists. So yeah, I would say that you have less this uh, adventure feeling compared to uh, maybe Eastern Europe or Middle East or Asia. And yeah, so in the end, you have less maybe um, good uh, interaction with random and good interaction with people you will meet on, on the roads uh, for that, that reason. Yeah, great. Um, many, a lot of cyclists speak really highly of cycling in Turkey. Why did you guys decide to skip it? And that's because of my uh, visa problems. I mean, that probably the passport. I couldn't apply visa for uh, land, uh, land border, land crossing, yeah, land yeah. crossing. but uh, we, I can apply for e-visa, but, but that means that I have to take the plane uh, and, uh, by Turkey airline and by airway and just get 30 days visa. Yeah, so so yeah. anyway, we have to take the plane and we didn't want, so yeah. we decided to it will have been too many constraints uh, to cycle in Turkey and just to get 30 days visa, which is not really enough uh, to cross Turkey. So, yeah. so we decided instead mm -hmm. to take the, the ferry boats from uh, Bulgaria uh, to, to Georgia. 
Yeah, I kind of figured it was passport related, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, yes, it was boat related. Mm. But the the boat experience was very nice. I mean, yeah. some cyclists. Uh, we saw uh, some dolphins. Yeah, you can so see some nice. dolphins, and you have time to to share um, some good moments with other travelers and also the truck drivers uh, from Georgia or, or Bulgaria. So yeah, it was a very good memory for us. Yeah. What was it like cycling through Georgia? Did you go to Armenia as well and Azerbaijan? Yeah, so we no, we only cycle uh, Georgia and Azerbaijan, and we decided. Not to cycle for Armenia again for for visa reason. Uh, Lea with Vietnamese passport, uh, it would have meant to go to embassy to do the visa for Armenia. So we decided to cycle to Azerbaijan uh, instead of Armenia. Okay. And uh, and first of all, yeah, Georgia was one of our favorite countries so far in our in our trip. Tell me why. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the. The, the road we chose, uh, we went through Goderzi Pass uh, and then to Paravani Lake, which is uh, the, one of the highest lake in, in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And the landscapes are really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very diverse. You have mountains and it's very wild, so it's super easy to, to camp. Sometimes uh, I feel like it's from like Mongolia. Also. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's really beautiful. And it's, uh, it's safe on so far. Yeah, it's safe, yeah. it's easy, and, and uh, the people are very Georgian people, at least in the part we recycle, were extremely welcoming with us. Mm. And, uh, always say hello, and the mm. truck driver, when they cross us, they always say hello and support us because we yeah. go with you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, many people welcome us yeah, to their home, and uh, yeah, we remember like we. We we had we are invited also to a birthday, yeah, birthday. party in, in the beautiful um, next to the mountains, and uh, yeah, it, it was very special moment like uh, with all of the local people. I'm assuming you were you arrived in Batumi or did you arrive in Poti? Uh, we arrived in Poti. Poti. Uh, no, wait. no, no, sorry, 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 Batumi, Batumi, Batumi. Batumi, yeah, Batumi. yeah so you cycled okay, and then you went south down, and so you could hit that lake. That's very nice. Okay. South, yeah, you immediately climb the the Goderzi Pass, mm -hmm. uh, and after you will you can continue to Paravani Lake, and this part of Georgia is really gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put it on my uh, my to do list place to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leah, what kind of contrast did you find with Georgia and Azerbaijan compared to Europe? Ah. I think that in Georgia is still I can feel still a big people it's a bit close to uh, European okay. European I mean that um, I don't know but the, the, that's what I feel but the landscape yes we start to feel uh, a bit different it's more um, it's, it's more wide wide yeah feeling of adventure yeah and then it's diverse and so we can see so many kind of landscape on our way from Batumi to BBC. And this, this is nice, but when we enter Azerbaijan, it starts to be a different difference because it's it's a Muslim uh, country, uh, mm -hmm. and then uh, for 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 us, for, for me as woman, I need to dress a bit uh, like cover myself a bit, uh, a bit carefully. <laughs> and uh, Tibo, he he must wear a long pants, not sock pants anymore. And people they look at us like from alien. I don't know, but but it's like really they for for, for them uh, we we are a bit uh, like stranger. 
Yeah. yeah but they really friendly the you know, people from Azerbaijan. When we go to we went to the shop and we buy some food and they always like no they they didn't take money from us and they just uh, gave us some food things yeah really nice yeah and, and in terms of of communication uh, yeah, most of people in in Georgia or in in Azerbaijan can only speak uh, in, in Russian mm -hmm. so yeah as Russian so far is not very <laughs> developed uh, we couldn't <laughs> interact a lot but uh, just by using by using Google Translate, it yeah. worked pretty well to, to interact. I speak Russian, so I would love to go there and just travel and see how, how much I remember because I left Russia 12 years ago. So. I mean, if you the people are already very friendly and if you can speak a little Russian, uh, they will, you will be a, <laughs> uh, like a superstar. <laughs> um, where did you apply for your visas for, I guess, China and for Iran? Uh, for Iran visa, we applied in um, at the Iran consulate in um, Sofia in Bulgaria. Oh, okay. So it was uh, pretty. I mean, it was easy. Uh, like we just you, nothing very complicated. Yeah. And for Chinese visa, we wanted to do it in Tehran, in uh, yeah. in Iran. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we we decided in when we entered Iran in Iran, we decided to change our plans the following of the trip and we finally decided not to go through China but to go through India instead in order to arrive in, in Vietnam. Oh that's right yeah I think I got the idea of the Chinese visa because I originally I think your original map showed you going through China but I knew you didn't go through China that's right. Yes yes yeah yeah if you want I can explain the, the reason. Yeah please. Yes it's like the um, I mean at the time it was maybe in August already, in August uh, 2019. Uh, in September. Yes, August, September. It would have been uh, yeah, a bit too late for us to cycle uh, north in order to, to go to Kyrgyzstan, China, because mm -hmm. the, the wind is coming pretty early there. Mm -hmm. And also, we, we after one or two weeks in Iran, we had a very good feeling with the country, with the people. So we wanted to explore more Iran instead of rushing to go to Turkmenistan. And we want to go to the, the south. The south, the south. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you changed your plans, you changed your routes, and then you cycled quite far down. Tell us about your route through Iran, and uh, what were the people like? Yeah, so like in Iran, we arrived at the border in Astara, a border with, uh, with Azerbaijan. And uh, then we cycled down south to Kazvin. Then we went to Kashan, Qom. Isfahan, Isfahan, mm -hmm. Avianne Isfahan, and Shiraz. Mm -hmm. For us, this was the real uh, adventure because Iran was, yeah, as we know, like uh, on the media and what we could read on the blog, we, we we expect something very different from what we knew. Yeah, yeah, it was like uh, amazing, uh, like seven weeks in Iran on the road, especially because the, the people are so welcoming, like many times during the day, many people would just stop with their car to give us some food, tea, some fruits. At the beginning of the journey, we in Iran, we, we used to buy some food for our lunch or dinner, but the, the people are so welcoming that in the end, we, they gave us so much food that in the end, we had not to buy, we didn't have to buy food anymore in Iran. So, 
Yeah, and, and they will welcome you very, as soon as you stop, also people will come to you to invite you to their home, and they will propose you that you can stay uh, as long as you want. So, yeah, in terms of hospitality, kindness is, uh, is very, it's amazing. And um, Iranian people as well, are in the way, uh, they know many things, uh, like their culture is, uh, I would say, very high. So, for example, I remember to speak uh, during uh, one evening with one guy about, like, he knew everything about French philosophy. So, yeah, like the, 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 the talks and the conversation you can have in Iran are yeah, of very high quality. And then the food as well, the Iranian food is amazing. Yeah. It's so diverse, and especially with Lea, uh, we love one of their bread called uh, Sanyak. Bread yeah. and uh, like the bread cook on very hot stones yeah. and it's just delicious and so cheap. <laughs> That's so, cheap. Yeah. What was your favorite food in uh, in uh, Iran? Yeah. Uh, just just the sanyak bread first and uh, we, you will like komesabzi. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. And kuku. I mean, there's some uh, kuku. Yeah, like a little yeah. food. Finger yeah. food. Yeah. Tell me about the story in Astara and uh, the family you met there. Yeah, well, as, like thanks to yeah, social media and Instagram, like there were already some uh, Iranian people uh, waiting for us to arrive in Iran to to meet us and welcome us. He contacted when yeah. we were in Georgia. One <laughs> Iranian guy, he said, I can see you wrote your route and I can see you will go through Astara in uh, Iran. So I want to welcome you, and his name is uh, was uh, Amin, and um, yeah, that that was a big relief for us because as soon as we crossed the the border, he was waiting for us on his bicycle. Wow! So he yeah, yeah. so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and at that time he was a bit like when as other cyclists will know when you enter uh, that border, there are many people, um, like maybe ten, twenty people coming to you, like to us to exchange money or different service mm -hmm. so it, it's a stressful and um, and I mean he came and said no no they are with me so he put us like in better conditions mm -hmm. and he took us to his family and uh, especially his, his parents uh, were super friendly welcoming mm -hmm. and they cook like huge <laughs> <laughs> like every day during uh, like we stayed there maybe three nights and they cook like huge uh, meal and dinner I mean, we were completely uh, uh, full of food during uh, three days. And yeah, he took us around uh, to buy, uh, you know, the SIM card, exchange money, buy some clothes and stuff. And especially for Leah to wear the, the yeah. proper yeah. hijab to cover her hair or to wear a kind of cardigan as well to, okay. to uh, cover her hips. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that was really the, yeah, the best way to, to, to start in Iran. And also he helped us, you know, to write um, a small message uh, in uh, Farsi, uh, which is the Iranian, uh, the language in Iran. Um, so to explain uh, that we were traveling by bicycle and to have like few questions, uh, like uh, can we uh, camp uh, like uh, in your garden for tonight? And it was really, we kept this uh, little um, paper with all this um, information about us and the questions. So to have a like, good interaction with people, mm. yeah. Oh, amazing. What are some of the challenges of cycling in Iran? 
Yeah, I think the uh, fast, the road is a bit dangerous sometimes because the, the truck and the car drive super fast. Yeah. And the second thing that the weather, the sun was so strong. But hopefully that the weather is good because uh, it's uh, suddenly strong, but uh, it's cool. It's always have a wind and cool air that even yeah, we cover uh, ourselves carefully, but we, we didn't feel warm. Because it's yeah. very dry. So it's dry weather, so you don't sweat too much. Yeah, that's true. And in the night, the night uh, as soon as the sun is uh, out, like then the night is very chill and cool, so to sleep is, is really good conditions so yeah no, and uh, I mean one of them also the, the big uh, challenge is like yeah Iran is a very, very uh, militarized country mm -hmm. so you have a lot of uh, military military base for which you need to be careful uh, and sometimes yeah there is a gray area where you don't know if you can camp or not and um, that if you have a military camp and maybe if you camp uh, within 20 kilometers from it maybe it can be a danger or a risk for you because like especially as a French if you consider the, the, the current uh, geopolitical situation uh, yeah you shouldn't uh, interfere too much with the Iran uh, militaries because yeah. you, you could have some you as uh, French or British or American. I mean, as British and American, you cannot really cycle there anymore. So uh, my point is, you need to be careful in terms for with military uh, area, and uh, for women as well, there there can be a risk of uh, sexual harassment. Uh, we saw sometimes some reports about it from uh, solo female travelers, and uh, we had like few like situation that could have been uh, risky for Lea especially in some crowds during the evening in some cities okay. or uh, road with well, one or two lonely guys uh, next to the road. As a man, if you travel as a couple in Iran, the, as a man, you should be uh, in front and uh, not let your wife interact, interacting too much with some men. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, this was just, this situation were just like the exception. And I would say that most, 99% of the people we met were extremely uh, kind, uh, respectful, so, mm. yeah. Before we move on to the rest of your trip, tell us about your experience with the nomadic tribe. I'm, I remember reading a post where I saw you guys dressing up in their traditional clothes as well. And uh, yeah, my wife looked at it and was like, wow, that's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing time for us. It was from the road, from uh, on the way to Shiraz. Okay. Uh, Yes, so he was in, in the, I forget the name of this uh, this province, Fars, Fars province, I think, F-A-R-S. Yes, and uh, we just stopped uh, at, at, in a village to, to buy some coffee, and uh, a guy arrived with his car, and uh, he, he just uh, he just stopped and he said, um, do you want to go to come and uh, have lunch at, at my place? And he say, especially my mom, he has cooked come uh, sabzi, and, <laughs> so, and uh, so that was yeah the best argument for us to come. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, and he, he was just living ne nearby, and he he welcomed us in, in his family, and actually they belong to the Kashkai uh, minority. Mm -hmm. And for me, before coming, Kashkai was just the name of, of a car. Uh, Nissan car, <laughs> so I didn't know it was uh, linked to a minority, and uh, they actually 
Qashqai people are nomadic uh, people in Iran, so yeah, they will move with uh, the their um, cat, their cattle, or yeah. it can be some goats, or especially goats, and they will move from one point to the other, so they they are nomadic. But his family, they through like since one generation, they are they are settled down in this village, and uh, yeah, they welcome us for lunch. And after we, we yeah, we took a nap, and, and because we were we were quite exhausted, and they say yeah, if you want, please stay one more night. And yeah, we especially remember his uh, his uh, mother. His, the name of the host was uh, Reza, and he, his mother was very very kind, and she especially uh, uh, liked to interact with Leah's. Uh, for her, like as a Vietnamese Asian girl, it was a bit uh, very different from what she knew. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she really wanted wanted her to try the traditional uh, dress. So that was very specific moment. Like uh, Leah looked like a bride <laughs> with the beautiful um, long and many layers uh, yeah. on the on the dress. And it's heavy. <laughs> it's a heavy dress when they work with Yeah, <laughs> heavy dress. That was very and nice. After, yeah, they, that they, picture is great. Yeah. No, yeah, it was really great. And after yeah, they took us beautiful. around, and uh, I had also the possibility to wear traditional Kashkai uh, uh, for clothes for, for men. So yeah, this is yeah, this is one of the big highlights uh, of, yeah. of the trip. And uh, yeah, beautiful. now we we stay in close contact with, uh, especially our Iranian friend and Reza. Or, I mean, we, yeah, we know we will stay a very good good friends and. Yeah, we just hope we can welcome them one day in France yeah. or Vietnam. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it sounds it sounds fantastic. Oh, did you find out much? Um, so, are there still some Kashkai that are nomadic? Yes, yes. The, yeah. When you cross this region, you you still see a lot of uh, uh, tents and uh, nomadic uh, Kashkai uh, in this region. So, I mean, uh, yeah. If if we had more time, maybe we will have maybe go through. Uh, secondary path of roads in order to meet mm -hmm. uh, some of these nomadic people but yeah we had to go to Shiraz uh, not to be too late so uh, yeah we had to go on and, and go to Persepolis first and then Shiraz of course yeah and did you find out if the the nomadic Kashkai do they do their kids go to school or I don't it's a good question uh, but uh, in the region I mean we saw some schools we know um, because I heard that they still go to school yes. they go to school but when they're back they need to like follow their traditional that living like uh, oh. like the problems yeah but they still go to school uh, but before they say that nowadays some children they uh, uh, go to school in Africa they just want to stay in the city or in this village they don't want to go back uh, to follow their the, traditional yeah yeah all right, so um, from Iran, you guys took a, a boat to Qatar or something? Yeah, initially we wanted to take a, a boat uh, from Bandar Abbas to Dubai, mm -hmm. cycle to Oman. And from Oman, to take the plane to New Delhi, New Delhi in India. But uh, the, again, for visa matters, it was quite expensive for Leah to get the Dubai visa. Okay. And also the travel agent, he couldn't guarantee us 100% that she could take the boat and that her visa would be valid um, if she took the boat. So uh, it was not very clear. So we decided not to take the risk. And instead, we decided to take the plane directly from uh, Shiraz 
to Delhi. Ah, okay. Also at that time, in terms of uh, geopolitical, uh, the risk was a bit higher for French people because you know you had the the strikes uh, on Saudi Arabia on the on their pipeline at that time. Yeah. And uh, at that time, France uh, say that Iran was responsible for the strikes, so we we could feel that we had less freedom to go wherever we want or to camp in the wild, especially as a French uh, citizen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's one of sort of the reasons we decided to uh, not to cycle all the way south yeah, and south. yeah to to take the plane to India. Okay, probably a smart move. Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. Yeah. Tell us about cycling in India. I mean, that is a massive difference, especially when you land in Delhi. What was it like? Yeah, like for us to switch from the big culture like Iran and arrive in India, it was like a huge uh, cultural uh, shock, I would say. Yeah. Because it was so different. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I imagine I imagine it's kind of like Vietnam, but in Vietnam, people will go around you when you walk across the road, and in India, they might just go through you. <laughs> yeah. India, yeah. too many people. Yeah, too many people. And we even have we we don't uh, don't have enough uh, space just to work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, also because during during the trip uh, from uh, yeah from France to Iran, basically we slowly went from one country to the other, so we had time to adapt and to yeah. see the difference. But when you just land uh, with your bicycle to Delhi, it's uh, like yeah, you really enter enter in a different uh, world. And um, we read about uh, like many blogs of cyclists, and it seems that for many of them, uh, India was very difficult, especially for women. Uh, you have many stories around like uh, harassment, uh, rape. So, <laughs> Come on. No, but yeah, there, yeah, there was. Um, we read the story about like a, a couple from Switzerland, and and uh, they get attacked in their tent during the ne- the night in India. Oh wow. And the, the woman was raped, so we were a bit like, okay, let's see what's going to happen in India. And the good point is that my brother, uh, who really enjoys also to my younger brother, Amori, who really enjoys to go for cycling, he, he wanted to join with us for, for one month from uh, Delhi to, to Nepal. So that was a kind of relief as well that he, he would join with us during this month, like to be two men and one girl will 
would be better at that time we think to cycle India but actually it was it was okay like the the people uh, yeah are always coming to you to ask for a selfie but they were always respectful and uh, we had as well some good interaction with some community like the Sikh uh, community you know with the all the guys with their long birds and, yeah. and the the tur turban Right, so um, they, they welcome us uh, at the moment for a snack and to have some tea with all of them. And also, uh, we were welcome in a Catholic church to, to sleep for, for the night. Oh, that's great. Um, so we had some good mm. good interaction, and especially the people can speak, they have a good level of English, love them, so we can have a good uh, talks about uh, ourselves and about their culture, about their life. So in it was just maybe five, four, five days from Delhi to Nepal, but uh, it, it was quite nice mm -hmm. in the end. And uh, just the level of uh, horn, horn and honking is just too high. Oh yeah. And the roads, yeah, they will uh, honk for no reason, just to to say they are there. So at, in the end of the day, you get really tired with noise pollution there. Yeah. yeah. What was the food like in India? Did you guys get sick at all or you were okay? Mm, we thought that we, we could be okay, but before we, uh, I mean, that uh, at the end, I got some food poisoning in Norris, uh, India. Yeah, just uh, before to enter in Myanmar, uh, Lea should get food poisoning. Oh, okay. So I think that all the cyclists, many of them, or even me, we got... Uh, yeah. Now, do you think it's because as as the longer someone is in India, they get kind of they're getting accustomed and climatized, and they and they start to forget about being careful about exactly what they mm -hmm. eat. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we were a bit at the beginning. You are super careful. Uh, you clean everything, uh, your hands and stuff. And you cook by, by yourself and so like. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, maybe at the end. As we had no major belly problem, maybe we were a bit uh, too confident. And yeah, just just if one time the guy who prepared the food did, didn't wash properly his hand, then you you can have a risk. So that's yeah. probably what happened. Yeah. And so you guys ended up staying at a hospital, right? And were treated like royalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the yeah, it was a very small village. In the mountains, yeah, in northeast India, in Numba. And actually, people there, they, it also is very interesting if you cycle one day in northeast India because people there are very different in terms of uh, like physical appearance and in terms of culture compared to the India we know, like India of uh, New Delhi or Calcutta okay. or Mumbai. These people are very different and actually uh, they look much more like for a lot of them, like Clea. Mm. Than uh, Indian from Delhi, so many of them they felt that Lea she was a, a local girl uh, bring, bringing back a French boyfriend <laughs> to the village. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, at the hospital uh, we met very friendly uh, guy, um, and they welcome us as part of their family. Yeah, and they belong to Rongmei Rongmei Naga minority, um, and they have their all their special special uh, feature for their culture um, and they are very uh, they have a high sense of community and uh, for example uh, if you have done something wrong in the village yeah like you like you I don't know maybe you 
you have you 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 have stolen something, or you can uh, uh, settle uh, the the case if you offer, like for example, a pig. If you offer a pig, you can basically clean your what you did. Um, if you if you did something bad, you you can improve the thing by offering a pig. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for crime, it's if you offer a, a, a cow for a bigger, like a big crime, yeah. 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 So if you well, if you are the owner of a lot of cows or pigs, you you can probably do many bad things in their society. Yeah. I wonder, how many cows <laughs> is a murder worth, or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe one actually, one or two should be okay. How much time did you spend in um in, in Nepal between your east and north parts of India? Yes, in in Nepal, you, we spent uh, mm. one month. Almost. Uh, almost one month. Yeah. Uh, in Nepal, we cycle from uh, around 1,000 kilometers from uh, west uh, to east uh, Nepal. Okay. The, yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, you at the beginning. You will go through a lot of uh, national parks uh, with a, you can see a lot of wild animals, deers, crocodiles, sometimes elephants. So that's uh, that's very nice. And uh, after we went through the mountains. The north to go to Pokhara. And did you do any hiking in Nepal while you were there, or just uh, just the cycling? And no, no, no. We just uh, we just focus on on cycling. But yeah, we can see many people will stop for one or two weeks to go for hiking. But uh, no, no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't hike. Okay. Yeah, just wondering. Some people do, some don't. What was your route through Myanmar? I know that Leia got injured, and that that yeah. you guys kind of. Took a bus out, I guess. But um, why don't you tell us about your Myanmar part? Yeah, Myanmar. Uh, so we enter through uh, the the border in in Tamu. So it's in in the west of Myanmar. And yeah, the the first week was very uh, pleasant. Uh, I mean, the people there are very welcoming, uh, very nice. And normally it's forbidden, you know, to to. Uh, to sleep uh, outside of a hotel for foreigners in Myanmar, but uh, we were quite lucky because the first one of the first night we were welcome uh, next to a church, and the following night in a pagoda. Uh, but yeah, the third night, and it happened apparently to some of our cyclists. Like the, in the pagoda, the monks say yes, and they even started to prepare the room for us. But uh, around 6 p.m., when I started to go back to the room, like. Uh, I was followed by maybe five or six guys, <laughs> and they they, they belong to the police, and uh, yeah, they say you cannot stay there for tonight, and uh, yeah, I mean you they they stay in the room maybe during one hour checking for our passports. They uh, couldn't speak English. Yeah, they couldn't speak English. To communicate. And uh, yeah, they, they they say you cannot stay there for tonight. But there were no hotel around for maybe uh, 100 kilometers, so for foreigners, so they they put us in a small truck with a bicycle in order to reach the, the next city uh, for us to stay in a hotel for foreigner. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a lot of work for them just to to <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As they say, we have to follow the law, and but we could see the monk was trying to convince. Convince them for us to stay, but they, they didn't want to to have problem. You know, you, you in Myanmar you have different layers of uh, responsibility, and some of them they, they don't want to have any problem, so they will 
send the case to the other authority. And if the guy is just sitting behind his desk, he, he won't take any risk. So he, they will say no if they cannot stay there. So um, that's what happened. Yeah. Exactly. So our, our advice is like, yeah, to ask to to stay somewhere in uh, in Myanmar in the pagoda, and the monk uh, starts to call someone. You you know it's uh, it's you won't be able to stay. <laughs> if they start to call someone, it's it's not good. Ah, so if they start to call someone, it's probably a no. And if if they just say yes and tell you that where to sleep, then you might be okay. <laughs> Yes, yes. In this case, it's, it's it's good, and that's what happened. And you, and if you want to try to sleep in a pagoda, you should target a pagoda where where there are not too many people around. Um, and if there are many men or kids uh, around the pagoda, you can be sure that someone will talk about it to the local police guy, and that they will come for you to to ask you to leave. Okay, so find the the isolated and lonely pagodas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's better to find yeah the small pagoda isolated in on the side of the of the road. Yes. Good advice. All right, so you guys are in uh, in Thailand now. You guys are heading. Are you gonna go north through Chiang Mai and stuff towards in Chiang Rai and then into Laos, or is there a different route? Yes, I mean we won't go through Chiang Mai, but we will go directly. We will go through the the roads more in the center of Thailand in order to reach uh, Vientiane, Laos, and from Laos we plan to cycle north, yeah, to go to Luang Prabang, and then cross the border to Vietnam in Dien Bien Phu, and then cycle to Hanoi, and from Hanoi we will cycle all the way south to uh, Saigon. Okay, awesome, and um, your um, I, I don't know if you guys heard that they've recently closed the borders to a lot of e-visas or something yeah. in Laos. Yeah, we I saw in the in the news like they they closed many borders for visa on arrival. I'm guessing the one near uh, Vientiane will be fine though. Yeah, but some of them are still open, so it needs to be carefully checked. But the one we will take to go to Vientiane is called the Lao Thai uh, friend, Friendship Nong, uh, Bridge. Long Kai, yeah. Yeah, Long Kai. And, and this one is open for Ibiza. And so this, this should be okay. But, but I heard sometimes they, they are a bit uh, picky with um, people traveling by bicycle. So sometimes you have to go back to Long Kai and take the, the bus uh, with your bicycle oh, in yeah. order to cross. That might happen. So we'll see. We'll see. We will uh, share the we'll share our experience about it. Okay. Let's just talk a talk a few more things before we end this. But um, tell us about your your fundraising efforts for Poussière de Vie and how far you've come along and uh, what your goal is. Yes. So um, Poussière de Vie or Dust Dust of Life in in English. They they help uh, yes as we say a lot of kids who couldn't go to school uh, otherwise to go to school and they help also some of them to um, when they are young adults like to have a training for example in uh, hospitality uh, management or like 
like, like this, they can uh, sometimes have job opportunities in some hotels, for example. And so, yeah, the money we are raising is their new school in the District 12 of uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Mm-hmm. So they are a new school to welcome uh, more kids in and in better condition. So our plan for this trip has been to collect uh, $1 per kilometer we cycle. So as we will cycle approximately 16,000 kilometers, uh, we hope to raise $16,000. And so far, we have raised more than $11,000. So we are quite on time uh, compared to the total distance we have cycled so far. Excellent. You guys are one of the more accomplished fundraisers I've seen. You guys are almost reaching your goals. Yeah, that's really amazing. Anytime we receive donation, and that's really also one of, one of the things that uh, makes us very motivated to go on every day, like mm-hmm. to see the the level of donation going up and that makes a feel feeling we are doing the, the right thing and a meaningful uh, uh, fundraising so that's that's very important all right yeah i think it's really really great what you're doing and i'll definitely put uh, some links into my website and stuff for that mm-hmm. have there been any situations that have been kind of dangerous throughout your trip so far Maybe be it physical or you know aggression by maybe police or whatever. Yeah. Uh, first, I mean, uh, we can talk first. We had few. I mean, most of the trip has been like a pleasure so far, but we had like few kind of hot uh, situation. Uh, maybe the first one, and Leah can share about it. He was in uh, Hungary or Slovakia and Hungary at that time. He was in uh, summer. And he, he was also very humid because of the rain mm-hmm. and it was full of mosquitoes, right? Mm. And then every time we cycle, I mean the mo- mosquito will attack us, even we cycle better than yeah, there were thousands of mosquitoes and every time if, if you stop maybe for a few seconds, they will attack you so you couldn't stop cycling. Oh, wow. And you, you start to get crazy because you, it's, hurt, it's hurt you, it's itchy and yeah. I feel full of mosquito around me and I start to get crazy and when we cycle sometime we we can have an accident yeah. if we we can yeah we, we, we like if you get one or two bites it's okay but when you start to have 100 uh, you start really to get crazy especially when they can bite you through your clothes yeah but uh, at the end in the 10 I count my body is like um, 120 bites from uh, yeah. from the mosquito on my wow. body it's really itchy and hurt. <laughs> yeah. But at, at that time, yeah, it's okay. It was at a bit uh, difficult, and yeah, we had otherwise we had uh, like a, a difficult situation in, in Iran. As I say, uh, we have to, you have to be careful with military and sexual uh, harassment. Yeah, for a reason. It's like um, one night we slept in the mosque, so that was actually very nice to sleep uh, in the mosque and. And we are welcomed by the the local people in the mosque. And the following day, we we had to continue to cycle from uh, to Kazvin. It's it's a city in the north northern part of Iran. And uh, at that time, it, it was raining a lot, like uh, raining like crazily. And many tunnels. Yeah, the, the only possibility to cycle was to take the highway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was starting to be very dangerous in terms of visibility. We had to go through tunnels and. Um, yeah, at that time we we decided to each hike uh, in order to reach uh, our final destination a bit faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, immediately a, a guy stopped and took us in his um, like in his uh, 
pickup truck yeah? and uh, this was very nice but he, he couldn't go all the way so he just dropped us at at uh, like a, at some at a, uh, like a place and in that that place we didn't realize at that time but it was a military um, base and um and I, I just took some picture but of the landscape not taking picture of the military base mm -hmm. but at that time we thought that's why maybe it's, it was a Factory, it doesn't look like a yeah, it was not very clear place. because yeah. there were a lot of civilians stopping their cars in front, and uh, so at that time with Leah, we dis we walk in front in order to ask another car for to each hike, and uh, like from a mirador from a, a small tower, a, milit a guy a guy started to call for me and say, hey, look at me, look at me, like like this. And he wanted, he, he showed me like a sign, like he wanted me to take a picture of him, you know. But um, one of the rules is never take a picture of uh, any uh, military people, especially in Iran. So I say, uh, no, no, sorry, I mean, I, I don't want to take a picture. I mean, I just move away, okay. And uh, at that time, he like he had a Kalashnikov, you know, like the... Yeah, yeah. And he started to point at me with his Kalashnikov. So uh, it was the first time in my life that somebody uh, points a gun at me. So inside my my body, my my heart was beating super fast. I, I didn't, I mean, I wouldn't dare to look at him. So I moved my back yeah, in front yeah. of him and I heard the sound like he... Yeah, he was, uh, you know, recharging like... Yeah, the, <laughs> the, maybe the, three times and at that time And I, still pointing at me. I heard And so that was... I just try to keep cool and uh, I'm slowly move away and yeah I mean you don't know what happened it can happen like in the movie you know Pulp Fiction like when the guy he accidentally trigger and, and shoot uh, and kill someone so I was really like <laughs> trying to move away but not showing I was afraid or anything and uh, so we managed to get out of, of this hopefully and uh, like few, few minutes after we just tried to find a car and uh, one guy he came with us. He looked a bit strange, and the way he was looking at at, at Leah made us feeling a bit uncomfortable. And uh, I was trying to ask for help, but uh, he said, "Oh, maybe we can go next to the river and uh, you could relax there." I was like, "No way! <laughs> I just want to escape from there." And uh, at that time, like another car, I managed to stop another car, and I came to talk to the guy. And at the same time, this guy, I guess, unfortunately, it was a mistake because I couldn't take care of Leah at the time because I was focused on the driver to ask him to take us somewhere. And uh, at that time, the other, the, the yeah. other guy started to talk about uh, uh, having sex with uh, Leah and stuff. Like, he was, yeah, wow. it was very creepy. And then I something like I just say stop stop are yeah. you crazy you sick and then I call people I say this is my husband and and but hopefully that guy he just say he didn't touch my body or he didn't do any bad thing on mm -hmm. me so so, so I, I had to come back that time I I don't I didn't want people uh, have uh, any uh, I mean fight fight with him so I just take. I took the ball and I say uh, we we need to go away. Yeah, go away this way. This and also that the military guy from his tower he could still see us, so we couldn't start a kind of argument and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we move away again, like really close to the highway. This time the the, the car were going super fast, and uh, we managed hopefully to stop one in in a short time. And yeah, we managed to escape. And like we put the bicycle, we were behind uh, this uh, new pickup truck, 
and going at 130 kilometers on the highway with the wind. <laughs> and uh, we were really looking at each other like, whoa, what, what just happened, you know? Yeah. And hopefully, just after we meet, we met in Kazvin, one of our very good friends, we met a few days before, mm-hmm. and uh, it helped to cool down the yeah. situation and yeah, to to make yeah. us yeah continue the the trip in Iran. And then the day after, we just start like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> every yeah. day is new day. So after it was funny, like every time we cross a military zone. Sometimes some military they just uh, were in their tower and trying to call us just to say hello, you know. But I pretend not to see and continue cycling. <laughs> uh, one time, Terry, the military guy said hello, 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 and at that time I really had to say hello to him. But yeah, <laughs> we just met, we just met the the wrong one in uh, the, yeah, the, on the wrong day. The last guy, the guy who. Mm. who Stand on you. He 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 didn't wear the uniform. I mean, the yeah, yeah, no uniform in military. Okay, just a a couple of related question. Uh, what are some of the challenges that people should be aware of if they're cycling? You know, husband and wife and things like that. Yeah. yeah. No, because when you travel uh, as a couple and especially on bicycle, so you will be together maybe twenty seven. 347, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean from beginning of the day to at the end of the day and when you get inside the, the tent so you always be together. And sometimes of course you need uh, time uh, to to be uh, for yourself. Yeah. To have your little private space, yeah. So yeah, this is the yeah, as you are twenty seven sorry, together as a couple, you you can have some little uh, tension or stress. So it's important, yeah, sometimes that even when you cycle, you sometimes we would cycle a bit uh, apart from each other. (laughs) Or uh, sometimes in in the tent, you just listen to your, I don't know, your podcast or or whatever. So yeah, it's important to have still uh, your private space and understand that the other one, Need sometimes some time for for him, himself or herself. But overall, we are good together. The cycle together. Yeah, in overall, we don't have so many uh, difficult moments together, and it's important also to adjust and understand the other one. Uh, especially for me, uh, like in terms of uh, physical endurance, uh, I had more experience compared to Leah, so. My my goal from the beginning of the trip was to you know uh, make her motivated and keep her in a good condition for her to to go from the beginning to the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. So I I now I'm very like skillful to see all the little signs she will um, she will make for her face <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or attitude to feel it is the time to take a good break or to take a rest. Um, so this is yeah, as uh, this is one of the the challenge, especially yeah, if you have more experience in terms of cycling compared to your partner, is to to give a lot of your energy to make the other one feeling good and motivated to to go on. That's a great yeah, <laughs> great way to strengthen the relationship. Now moving forward after the bike tour, you'll know every time she's tired or upset and. Uh... Yeah, yeah. No, she cannot lie to me and say, "Yeah, no, everything is okay." <laughs> no, no, I know, I know immediately when it's not okay. 
Leah, how does it feel to be back in Southeast Asia and almost done? Mm, I, before I only uh, knew Cambodia and uh, Singapore, so now uh, uh, to discover Myanmar, Thailand, and Laos, it has been very exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. you. Yeah, like for me, I knew already these countries uh, because yeah, I travel in Southeast Asia. But yeah, to travel there by bicycle is a new experience for sure. But for Leah, it's really like she's discovering new culture, new country because she didn't know these countries before cycling yeah. there. Very cool. Um, what is next for the two of you once you once you get back to Vietnam? What's the plan? Yeah, I mean, first, I think Vietnam is going to be like a, a big uh, experience because many people are waiting for us in Vietnam. Uh, like, uh, it can be at TV channels, newspaper, many schools uh, are willing to welcome us to give like kind of conference. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, we it would be quite special to cycle in Vietnam from north to south. Um, and, yes, for us, after... Yeah, after we plan to settle down again in, in Vietnam because we used to live in Vietnam before. And uh, maybe just an idea, but maybe we like to create our own company in Vietnam together. So this is the big plan for after the trip. Okay, yeah. what, kind, what kind of company? Um, now, you know, in, in Vietnam, the, the economy is really booming and uh, you have, a, I would say, a big middle class uh, coming up. Okay. So they have a new expectation, needs, and one especially is related to food safety and food quality because there has been many scandals regarding some food quality, like mm -hmm. sometimes coming from China. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we want to do is like to, to have a, like a very serious company um, dealing with a local uh, producer for vegetable, meat, uh, and to resell these uh, this good quality products. Mm -hmm. Very serious about all the certificates. So, yeah, people are ready to pay two times, three times the price compared to what they can find in the local market if they are sure it's uh, it good for their Yeah. Yes. I know that was a problem in Cambodia. Like we, we would go to the local farmers markets and stuff. Um, and then you find out that actually a lot of the produce is coming from China. It's not even from Cambodia. Oh, yes. This happened the same in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, all right, so where can people find out more about your project and find you on social media? Yeah, they, they can find us uh, through uh, the website. Name is nonlaproject.com. So nonla is N-O-N-L-A project.com. And the same name on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, you can have all the information for uh, our adventure. And you can also donate uh, online uh, through PayPal or credit uh, credit card yeah excellent well guys it's been really really great talking with you and i um i hope the last what two two three months or whatever of your trip go really well and that uh you guys stay healthy and really enjoy yeah. the best right. of southeast asia thank you thank, thank you. you christopher for uh, uh this interview yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure for us to to share about it uh, with you and uh, yeah. hopefully all the people will listen to the to the podcast mm -hmm. i hope so too all right bye bye Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Thibaut and Khan. Um, you can definitely follow all the links I'll post into my blog post about their tour and link directly to them, their stories, and their fundraiser program.
In next episode, I'm catching up with an old friend of mine, Adam Hugel. He has just finished his tour, and we have a chance to catch up on what's happened for him in the last 11 or so months since we last talked. He was my first podcast guest, and it just felt right that it's time to have another talk with him and see how things were through the Americas, why he decided to end his tour, and what he's up to now. If you like the episodes and enjoy what you're listening to, I would be really pleased if you would subscribe to the podcast on whatever station you're listening to or whatever app you're listening to. You can also check out my website, www.biketouradventures.com to read the blogs, find the social media links of any of the guests I host, as well as check out my other sections, some some videos of tours I've been on, as well as some cycle touring tips for different countries. Stay tuned for more updates on the website. Lots of things are in the works. It's just going to take some time. So all the best and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast to help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.